Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. You guys, what a week it's been. Last week, of course, was our nostalgia episode with with that iconic lineup. And I mean, you guys, I loved it. I think that was my favorite episode so far <laughs> until this one, until this one you're about to listen to. And a lot of people were messaging me about some of the interviews, one in particular with someone. And I just want to say, I did not prank call anyone. Who is this? Everything was set up, so... You know, if the guest asked who it was and why I was calling, it was not my fault. (laughs) And if you're on Patreon, I'll go ahead and post the unedited interview for that because, you know, we all need to hear it. Like Shannon Bedore said, you will all see the truth. (laughs) So if you're on Patreon, please go ahead and check that out. And again, um, you know, now that we're here, let's talk about Patreon. So if you don't know about it, we're doing all sorts of bonus episodes and we're doing uh, Roni recaps and we're doing all sorts of stuff over there. It's really fun. All you have to do is pledge $4 or more a month, hopefully a little bit more. And um, it's just a way of supporting this podcast. And, and of course, you get all the bonus stuff. You'll want to hear the unedited interview with Nikki because it is iconic. It really is. Anyway, this is our first uh, episode from my new apartment. I've been moving, and you guys, moving is a big pain in the ass. I hate it. I've been so stressed. Yesterday, I cried into a pillow. And, you know, there's been casualties. Whitney, I don't know if you know this, but I have a Diva's Wine Glass collection. Oh. Oh. (laughs) So, you guys, I've collected what I call Diva's Wine Glasses. They're mostly from Las Vegas, uh, usually when a diva takes residency in Vegas, I hop on over and I grab one of the wine glasses from their gift shop. I love a gift shop. I love merch, <laughs> I love concert merch. And so I've, through the years, collected a Celine Dion wine glass, Mariah Carey wine glass, Cher wine glass. Cher was my very first wine glass that I got from Las Vegas. I have a Shania Twain one who I know we're mad at right now, but <laughs> her wine glass survived the move. But you know what? Mariah Carey's wine glass did not survive the move, and I... Have never been more devastated. Hashtag this is a crisis, Bethany Frankel. You guys, the movers I hired, who Whitney suggested that I hired, by the way. I feel so bad. Whitney's the one who told me to hire these movers. And I did, and they ruined my prize wine glass, which you cannot buy. It's no longer for sale. Mariah's doing another residency there later this year. And I swear to God, if they don't have a wine glass in the merch shop, I will go cry in that pillow again. Because you guys, I have a whole collection of these wine glasses and they're nice. They're not just puffy paint on a wine glass. Like these are official merch from that Caesars Palace store. Or occasionally, like if the diva performs elsewhere, like Britney's at Planet Hollywood, so they have a different merch store. But I have all these glasses, and you guys, my favorite diva, my favorite one, Mariah Carey, her glass broke. And I know that when you move, there's casualties. I, I'm aware of that, but. I've never been more devastated. I'm already so stressed. And yesterday, Matt left me with the movers. You know, my boyfriend, we're moving into this new place and he had to work and he left me with the movers. And you guys, it is no fun to move. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. 
So you guys, last week we had Kristen Cavallari on the show, and I've been rewatching The Hills. I mentioned that, and I was thinking, why haven't any of The Hills girls ended up on our Housewives shows? I mean, why hasn't Audrina been on Orange County? I mean, she should be going out with Kelly Dodd immediately. And Whitney Port, I mean, you know she knows Tinsley. Like, there's no way that Whitney Port does not know Tinsley. And I need to get some crossovers going. I need Kristen Cavallari on Beverly Hills Housewives. I need Lauren Conrad on Beverly Hills Housewives hanging out with Lisa Rinna. I don't know, chasing after her rats or something. (laughs) You know, we need a crossover. And speaking of Beverly Hills, you guys, did you see the podcast was mentioned on the Beverly Hills reunion? Everything Iconic, it wasn't mentioned by name. Teddy simply said, a podcast. (laughs) Now, I had heard that Everything Iconic was mentioned on the reunion. Somebody had texted me, but I didn't know if possibly they edited it out. Like they said, a little birdie told me that it came up at the reunion. Now, of course, Andy asks the panel, the panel, the group... Uh, about Megan McCain. He says, did you see Megan was talking about Teddy or something like that? And then Teddy says, you know, she was talking about me in page six and on a podcast. And I got so excited. (laughs) When I saw it airing, I had heard that it might happen, but I thought maybe it got edited out. And when I saw it airing live, I screamed. I shouted at Whitney, who was not there. (laughs) I texted her. I was just so thrilled that, you know, we were going global. The Housewives air globally, and I say that we went global that night. And it was just so exciting. Oh, my God. And the it was the only exciting thing to happen on that reunion because nothing's going on. Erica allegedly had a migraine, and she's just, it seems like she does not want to be there. She kind of gave Andy some shit. In the first part of the reunion, Andy was kind of going back and forth with her about her book. And I actually had some feelings about this because they made it seem like it was so bizarre that... Tom Girardi didn't read Erica's book. And I actually thought, like, why would he read the book? Because, okay, it wasn't some artistic endeavor that she endured on. Like, she had a co-writer who wrote the whole book. Like, she didn't write it. She's not a writer. So she kind of told her story to him. And this guy wrote the book. So if anything, he was doing, like, artistic, creative, you know, stuff. And Erica was just telling her story, which Tom already knows her story. He married her. He knows what happened in her life, hopefully. I mean, that's something that maybe we need to look into. But (laughs) the fact that he didn't sit down and read this book, which was not a creative endeavor by her, I was like, yeah, of course not. And they were giving her such shit. And Andy said, oh, I've written three books. The first thing I did was send to my parents or whatever. It's like, first of all, those are your parents. Second of all, you did all the writing. Andy didn't have a co-writer or a ghostwriter for his books. So it's a completely different process. I think if Erica was sitting down at a computer and writing about her pretty mess life, then yeah, I get it. But she didn't. So I just thought that was weird that people were giving her shit. And so they did say she had a migraine and that's why she was so cold, which I get. You know, if you have a migraine, you don't want to do with anyone, let alone those women. <laughs> but it was just so boring, Whitney, right? Like nothing happened. It was just these women sort of sitting around, they talked about Lisa Rinna's Instagram at one point. And it's like, we're talking about Instagram. They talked about my podcast. I mean, if, if you're, if you're really grasping at those straws, like you need to recast, we need to get something else going. And again, I don't want to talk badly about the things that we love, but you know, my hope is that we've hit rock bottom. I think that there's nowhere to go, but up. And so next season, I'm hoping that they're, they'll course correct in the way that I think Orange County is doing right now. I have faith that Orange County hit rock bottom last season in their course correcting. Now, the only issue that I have or the only worry that I have 
is that Beverly Hills has been bad for a couple seasons now. And maybe this isn't rock bottom. Maybe it's not, you guys. Maybe we have to accept that. I don't know. I don't know. But this reunion, I can't believe that it's three parts. They're not doing anything for three parts. It's it's horrible. I will say they look beautiful. I love their outfits. I think Kyle's new teeth look great, actually. And, you know, I think they look good. So, um, oh, my stomach's growling. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> Whitney, don't edit that out. Leave that in. Um, so I, Beverly Hills might be not great right now, but you know what is great is Potomac. I'm loving Potomac right now. I'm so glad that I hopped on board. I want to issue a public apology because I said I wouldn't watch Potomac. I said I drew the line at Potomac, and here I am. I you know erased that line, and I'm on board. I love it. I think it's so good. I didn't watch season one or two. I just hopped in on season three. And I did it because some people said that there was a meme fight. And I thought, oh, if there's a meme fight, then I really need to like get in on this. And I'm so glad that I did because then there was also a press conference for tax issues. And when I tell you that this is gold standard television, like you all need to be tuning in. I don't care if you've said Potomac is bad. You know what? Course correct the way I did. Issue a public apology to those that you've wronged. <laughs> like, please get on board. Hop in on season three. Go to iTunes. Go to bravotv.com. Go to the Bravo app. Do what you need to do to watch the season because it is fantastic. We're getting Giselle. We're getting tax issues. Some of the people, you know, I'm not sure. I asked Whitney. I said, who do I like? I don't know yet. I'm still figuring it out, but we'll figure it out together. I think I like Giselle. Do I like Giselle? I like Giselle. No, I like Giselle. <laughs> okay. I like Giselle. And I like, I think I like Karen too, but she seems like a huge mess, right? Is she a mess? I, I can't get my head around their ages. Yeah. I think I texted you, Whitney. I was like, what age are they all? Because they seem like a very wildly mixed group of ages, which I like. Of course, you all know I love an older housewife, so I wish they were all like Karen's age. Again, if you've never, if you've never watched, please hop in. Let's all do season three together. Oh, oh my God, the last episode, there was like a wig. Oh my God, there was a wig moment that I, I was like crying laughing, you guys. Like tears were coming. Earlier I said I cried in a pillow from stress. I cried in a pillow out of happiness tears. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. So it's great. Oh my God, Whitney, I didn't tell you. I know I'm jumping, I, I'm jumping all over the place, but in my move, I found an Us Weekly. Okay, and on the cover, it's a housewife's tell-all, and there's Kelly Bensimone. Bethany Frankel, and Jill Zarin. This is from June 2010. I saved it. I'm framing it. I got a frame. It's all ready. And the, the front of it just says, bullying, lies, and betrayal. Jill begs Bethany for forgiveness. You guys know this was the scary island season. This is when this came out. I mean, I can't believe that they're covering Us Weekly because I don't see Housewives on Us Weekly much anymore. That was a moment in time. And there is some good stuff in here. I want to read a little excerpt that I found. There is a section about Jill and Bethany's fight. And there's this little bit about Jill Zarin that I just want to read to you guys. Now, this is from June 2010. <laughs> a source close to Zarin, who recently published her own book, Secrets of a Jewish Mother, says she fancies herself one of Bravo's biggest stars. She asks everyone, do you think I'm the most known housewife out of all the casts? Her favorite thing is to tell people that she has the same agent as Tom Cruise. Tommy, can you hear me? <laughs> What, what a world were we living in that Jill Zarin had the same agent as Tom Cruise. I, mean, I can't believe it. Oh, and then there's like another part that says uh, about Jill having media training before the reunion. 
Like apparently, so you guys remember this was season three. This was the big Bethany and Jill fallout. And Jill, it says in this Us Weekly that before the reunion, she hired media training people to come to her house and have a sleepover so that she could present herself well at the reunion. And I remember that reunion because I watch it once a year and she did not present herself well at that reunion. (laughs) And she apparently had people sleeping at her house to, to coach her on what was going on. I mean, come on. It was just so good. So Whitney, I'm framing that. Whitney's reading it now. Do not bend it. <laughs> Do not get your... Are your fingers clean? Yes. <laughs> Are your hands washed? Somebody was over the other day and they were looking at it and I was like just staring at them like, you better be careful because it's already like a little bent and I need to make sure that it's in pristine condition. Mariah Carey's also on the cover and so is three of the cast members from Glee, two of them that are still with us. <laughs> <laughs> That was, don't cut that out. Don't, but just, don't cut it out. But just know that I'm sorry. <laughs> just know that I'm sorry. You know what? Hey, she got engaged. Yeah. Oh, and Leah Michelle got engaged. Leah Michelle, who I love, got engaged. Oh, I, I need her in that wicked movie. <sighs> but uh, you know, at least she's getting married, so she's busy. <laughs> I love Leah Michelle, you guys. I stand that song Battlefield, written by Sia, which was from her first album. That song's good. I haven't mentioned this in a while. Please go rate and review this on iTunes if you like it. Only if you like it. If you don't, just keep it yourself. <laughs> you guys, I'm prone to depression, okay? Um, but please go rate and review this on iTunes. It helps us out so much with booking the guests and all that stuff. So take a minute if you get a chance. Uh, find us on social media, at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Pellegrino Danny. And Patreon and everythingiconic.com. Oh my God, there's so much. I'm so exhausting. And now I have on the show today, we have Elliot Glazer, who you guys know from Broad City. He was a writer on New Girl. He's so, so funny. He's also a View super fan. Him and I have really connected on The View. And we also have Blair St. Clair on the show. Now, if you guys aren't watching Drag Race, you need to be watching Drag Race. It's so, so good. I've been telling Whitney to watch it, and she refuses. (laughs) Whitney, why haven't you watched it yet? There's lies. (laughs) Lies. (laughs) Lies. Uh, You all need to be watching Drag Race. It's so good because you get this wonderful fashion competition where you get to see these great looks, but then you also get these deep stories that come through. So it's this mix of funny and fun. The drag queens are all very quick-witted and very funny, and then you get these deep stories about how and why they started drag. And Blair Sinclair's is so compelling. So Blair's going to be on the show later. And I fell in love with her because of her story. And on the last episode she was on, she revealed that she uh, had been sexually assaulted uh, in college. And it very much influenced her drag. And I find this story so interesting. And I, I just want to encourage you all to watch Drag Race. I know we have a lot of female listeners and you might think, oh, it's I don't know, too gay? Is that a thing women would think? I don't know. (laughs) It's not too gay. Please go watch it. It's so good. It's on VH1 now. And uh, there's also a show called Untucked, which is like the behind the scenes drama of the main episodes. It's a good show. And Blair was my favorite. And her story is so, so interesting. So please um, stick around after Elliot for that interview. Before I do, I want to get to some paperwork. Some people have been asking for an Everything Iconic Facebook group. So now there is one. Just search Everything Iconic. It's a group, and there's going to be some fun stuff in there. I'm going to do some like live threads during the episodes. And I want to keep it nice and friendly because sometimes these housewife Facebook groups, they can get like really, like really nasty and negative. So my goal is to keep it something that we can all go to and celebrate the things that we love. And a little shade and sarcasm is fun too, but you know, we're trying to keep it nice. I want to make it nice, like Dorinda. Or keep it cute. Like keep Carol. it cute, like keep it cute, like Carol. Exactly. Oh, you know, 
how, what I liken it to. Okay, so you know on the First Wives Club how they had the Cynthia Swan Crisis Center for Women. So it was a place for people to go to support women to support each other. So this Facebook group, it's going to be like the Cynthia Swan Crisis Center for Pop Culture Lovers. So we're all going to go there and we're all going to support each other and we're going to make it nice. You know, we're going to going to keep it cute. We're going to keep it cute. And let's get um, uh, Elliot Glazer out here. And then we also have Blair St. Clair coming up after it later. Love you. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm here with Elliot Glazer, who, of course, you guys know from Broad City. You were a writer on New Girl. Um, I want to talk real quickly about Broad City. Sure. It's the, ne- the next season is the last season, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you hope the girls end up? Like, how do you want them to end up? What would your ideal well, finale be? Um, I already I write for the show, so I know what the finale is. Okay, so what is the finale? <laughs> so tell how, me how, would, how would I want it to end up? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say because it's not. I don't. I wouldn't think of it from the writer's perspective as a show that has a huge sort of narrative arc per se. Yeah. Um, so that's a tough question to answer. Yeah. It's also weird because I have the. I know in my head what it looks like. Yeah. So it's hard to. I can't really come up with a fake answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But are you happy with it? Are you? Happy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, very much so. Okay, good. Now, um, I want to get into Housewives right off the bat. Sure. So you watch Roni. You're a big Housewives fan, right? I'm a pseudo Housewives fan, meaning okay. um, I only watch New York. No, that's not true. I, I watch New York. <laughs> I watch New York, Orange County, Potomac, <laughs> no. DC, and that's it. <laughs> Potomac, hilarious. No, I'm like, I watched. <gasps> Elliot, I, how dare you? Wait. I need to tell you that I just started watching Potomac, and it is good. Really? This season is good, I swear, I promise. I just don't, like, I'm still sort of at a place where I feel like I only, I watched Beverly Hills briefly, never really got into it too much. Never, my, an ex of mine used to love Miami, Miami, Mm. and I I just was, I I, I don't know, the Atlanta one I have no interest in, because I find it, they're all just very, their own flavor, Mm -hmm. and the reason I liked New York it was because it used to be, I think, a weirder show, like like actually weird, and now it's cleaner and more sort of you know has more like artifice to it. But it used to be, I I I think, especially in its first like three seasons, it was weird. It was almost yeah. like scrappy in a way where they were trying to like sell you on this idea of like. N- it was almost like they were trying to like lean more towards Jill and less towards like the Tinsley mm-hmm. element of it. So more towards like this Jewish New York versus this like Sex in the City waspy Social. New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now I think it's bent more in that direction. But I always was just like, this is it's such a weird show. Like to me. Kelly Ben Simone is the strangest human being. Oh my god. I love that you're talking about this right now because I have an Us Weekly on the table right in front of us yeah. with Kelly, <laughs> Bethany, and Jill from 2010. And we were just talking Ugh. about this before. Uh I mean, that was an era. Like season yeah. three, I think, is like the best season of any housewives. It's so bizarre. But it's so bizarre. Like it's not it's not like normal. It's not it's not a normal trajectory. It's Kelly is clearly having some sort of mental breakdown. <laughs> Jill is like you're seeing like ego Hi. at its most. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You're seeing ego at its like most raw form. In its mm-hmm. most raw form, like she's just there. No holds barred. Raw, monstrous ego. Um, and Bethany is just like on her game. Yeah. And has just like really figured out what she's doing. 
And Alex is such a bizarre character, and she's like she is such a strange addition to the show. Where you're like, with every one of them mm-hmm. besides Jill, I'm like, what are you? Yeah, yeah. Totally. What is Luann? Why does she have a Canadian accent? And like, Luann back then was a totally different Luann. Totally it's different. Not the same Luann that we have. No, because we watch them. I mean, you've all Housewives, I think, but with them especially, you've watched them like, pre- like, like prepare to launch merch before a season has begun. Which is so odd. Yeah. And, like, you see them, like, jostling for the last opening line in the, se- in like, the, you know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. like, who, who's the most important now? And it's always yeah. whoever has the last line in that opening sequence. Yeah. Like, what a strange little, like, yeah. system and, and, and hierarchy that this show has created. It's its own monster. And back then, like, uh, speaking of season three, that was the first big housewife's trip amongst any of the franchises. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Scary Island was the first one that it was like, <laughs> uh, you know, now every season they have to go on the trips and Yeah, everything. well, that's the other part of the show that I find so odd. And every every housewife's too, I guess, where it's like, there is a sort of, they plan out the season in a way that writers plan out a season of a narrative show, which is like, it starts here, it goes here, there's a trip here, and it ends. It's so weird. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I'm still mystified by Jill and Kelly because Jill made me made me so embarrassed for the Jews. Like, she was the, <laughs> she became the but, worst Jew. But, you know, I rewatched season one recently for the Patreon page for this podcast, mm. and Jill was so likable in season Absolutely. one. Like, she was just lovely. She was funny. There was a scene where she was laying on a couch with Bethany. Like, they were just chatting, and they were just laid back in casual clothes. Yep. Like two, like two good friends just sitting and chatting, yep. and she was so relaxed. She was witty. She was funny. She was nice, and then it went all downhill from after season one. Well, was it season three that had that insane three part reunion where she had her hair teased out, jilted? Well, in this magazine right here, we learned oh. that she hired media trainers to come sleep over at her house before the season three reunion. Yeah, I, I believe that. I mean, you watch this. She is like you. You watch her like to evolve into this bizarre sort of villain, mm-hmm. and you watch. You, it's so clear that she's just she becomes so desperate and so hungry for a different level of fame that made that that is so different from what made her endearing in the first place. Like yeah. season one, she's this like really sweet philanthropic sort of Jewish mother hen that I hadn't really seen much of in in TV or in media, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it felt it was a nice it was a nice representation I thought on TV. And then by three, you're like, you are a monster. Yeah, get off the TV. Yeah, and she's season four was like her her final lap, where yep. it's just like she had completely gone off the rails, and she almost like embraced it. I feel like at the end of season three, she was trying to kind of get back on track and be nice, you know, with her media training sleepover. Yep. And then hilarious season four, she just was like, okay, I'm a monster. I'm going to be a monster. Yeah, and you can see. I mean, also like she's scary in that. I feel like from this, from what I've seen of her on like social media and her like post show, she is so hungry for validation and so hungry to be considered like, like she's to me, I'm like, you're a rich, you're, you're rich and, and un, like not unemployed, but like you're rich and you don't have to like have a real job. And yet, and you're like a socialite or whatever you want to call her. I don't know. Faux socialite. But with all that being said, you have all of that in your canon and money and yet you're starving to be like on like Sharknado or some mm-hmm. shit, you know, or like mm-hmm. have a no, like have like an under five on like 
you want the saddest things. Yeah. You want the saddest things and you're buying Twitter followers and mm-hmm. and you're also pretending to be this like philanth- continuing to be this philanthropic like co- like remember Squeeze Couture? Yeah. <laughs> Do I remember it? I have some in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing it right now, Elia. <laughs> Hilarious. I'm just like ew, like Squeeze First of all, like Squeeze I'm wearing Couture. Squeeze Couture uh, on top of my yummy tummy. <laughs> And my Bethany Frankel skinny girl jeans are on top of those. Oh my god! It's like guys, just let Bethany have her market. Like, yeah, she she did this. She figured it out. Stop! Don't don't do squeeze couture and pretend that you're like follow, following in her footsteps to like beat her at her own game. I have goosebumps. I'm so giggly right now with those. I like couldn't talk about Jill Zarin forever. Oh my god, I love it. So she's your favorite, Jill. <laughs> I, see, Jill is your favorite housewife. Well, I mean, Kelly is always was always. Absolutely flummoxed to me. Yeah, I just I love watching Kelly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like mm-hmm. I would watch Kelly and relish. Like I don't like. I truly would watch and be. And the reason I like that the show New York is because it's weird mm-hmm. and because Kelly is genuinely. You can't even like pick up like she's not intelligent, like she's <laughs> clearly not intelligent. But she's trying to make herself sound intelligent, which makes her sound even less intelligent. Mm-hmm. And but but she's also strange and trying to like unfold or unpack the words that she the way she says things was always baffling. Uh, she called into this show into the podcast. Oh, she did recently, and it was. I got off the phone and I was like, I don't know where I am right now. Like, exactly. Like, where where am I? What just happened? I mean, it was so yeah, it was all over the place. I was and I loved every second of it. I loved it, but yeah. I did but I was I also will say that like on the show, as crazy as crazy as she was, she did come off very arrogant to me. And I don't know arrogant about what exactly. That this is this is me, this is you. Yeah, thing. I'm like Oh what? my god. And she just she just kinda like spoke without thinking and would say like I still remember, or I think recently I watched the season three reunion like on a plane. Sure. I was like, "This is they had it on demand or something." Yeah, and she because we, de- we demand it. That's right, <laughs> always we demand it. And she was sitting on on the couch, being very you know uh, antagonistic and sort of like stubborn and like swinging her leg back and forth mm-hmm. like on purpose. Like I don't care. I'm like a little kid being like, "Who cares? I'm here. Who cares?" And fighting back and like sort of. Um, Grandstanding and kept saying systematic bullying. Like systematic bullying. Clearly, mm-hmm. somebody like fed her that line. And they ask her, Bethany is like, "What does that mean?" She doesn't know. She doesn't know. Yeah. And I think the the sort of it's it's the haughtiness. It's the idea that she's like, "I'm sticking to this, and I have no idea what it means, but I'm going to stick to my guns." It bums me out. It's like, come on, at least learn the definition of this silly, stupid term that some PR person gave you. One of and Jill's sleepover friends. One of that, the, <laughs> those, the show has brought out a bizarre underbelly of New York that is so lame. Yeah. That's what's lame about it. Is that so you know, so um Sonia or as Luann says Sonia. 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 Sonia Rita. Sonia. Sorry. What? You're from Connecticut. <laughs> Uh, she, she worked. She, there's a video of Luann in front of a TJ Maxx. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh my God, she's doing like some. She's like, I'm Luann, and I'm in front of a TJ Maxx, and she's doing some like news reports. The oh best. no! I she's inside a TJ Maxx. I'll oh my it God! It's good. I was gonna. I just. I was just gonna say is that like uh, Sonia is like supposed to be this socialite, this like upper crust, you know, cookie cutter socialite from the the Morgan, like the Morgans, like mm-hmm. a long line of socialites that a very small amount of people have access to or are part of. And the show has brought out this bananas, like almost like bipolar pill popping 
idiot in her. And I used to like her, yeah. but I think she, she just clearly comes across as they all do, but she clearly comes across as so unintelligent. And in a way, you're, it sort of strips away the, the mystique of like an actual New York socialite. And it mm. did with them one by one by mm-hmm. one. The only difference is that Bethany never pretended to be that, yeah. which is why I think people like her. But Ramona, I'm like, what are you? Yeah. What, truly, what are you? And how she has lasted longest of all of them, I'll never understand. I, I feel like you can't pinpoint Ramona. You can't. You ev- just can't. Every second. Similarly with Kelly Bensimone, it's like right when you think you have yep. it figured out, it's like she does something or she says something where you're like, what the fuck did what? you just do? Also- you know, I mentioned I rewatched season one. And when I went back, I thought, I first started and I was like, you know what? I'm going to uh, enjoy Alex yeah. and Simon. I thought I liked them. And then by episode three, I was like, I don't want to watch them anymore. I had to fast Very forward. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. It was just, they had sort of the same thing going that, you know, desperate for society. So desperate. Thing. And, uh, but all of these people made some of the other crazies look more normal. Like I yeah. feel like Jill makes Ramona look more normal. Absolutely. And then, you know, Kelly makes Bethany so much more likable. So much more likable. And she, it, they amplify weight. Like what is even Sonia like looked cr- like now she looks bananas, but like back then she seemed like compassionate oh, yeah. and just like fun, <laughs> like fun and lively, but not crazy. Totally. Even Dorinda, like, what do you make of Dorinda? I loved Dorinda at first because she was like sort of a she was like a widow. She had a really like trashy boyfriend, which I love, <laughs> and lived in what seems look looks like to me a very. Um, for New York, like medium-sized apartment, mm-hmm. like very sort of um, uh, um, understated, understated, mm-hmm. and with a sort of a loopy daughter who seems very likable to me, like very likable and fun. But but because of Dorinda, still probably has her feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like Dorinda has also fed into that machine where I feel like the like I don't know how to describe it other than to say that like the 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 beast. Like the the animal of the housewives ate itself. I don't know how to mm-hmm. really describe it, but but that was ate, perfect. Is it like <laughs> the idea that like the show was one thing, and now and with all of them, it's a it's a whole cottage industry, and so they are all the wives have to either be savvy about the business itself or like go like like figure it out from the inside out like how to remain relevant and it's not none of it's good like it's all pathetic do you see an end to all of this um do you do you think the housewives will end or do you think this is going to be like general hospital or something where it's going on forever (laughs) i think did michael rapaport say i think it was michael rapaport maybe on like howard stern who i listened to said something about the the housewives being like the new soap opera yeah oh it is i think it is yeah Yeah, yeah, even when they bring characters back it's the soap opera mold of like bringing Susan Lucci back or, yeah. or how they bring Rinna back on whatever that show. But that's just strange. It's strange because it's not fictional. Uh-huh. You know, technically it's not fictional. So it's very strange to, to me to like bring somebody back as if they disappeared. You know, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. they're not, they don't have a storyline. It's like, but their storyline is their quote unquote life. Mm-hmm. So what? What? It's all very. It's a and very like, strange why, industry. Why aren't they showing up at these parties? Like, if they're exactly. still friends, like, why aren't they there? Exactly. I think. I think for New York, the tipping point was Aviva uh-huh. throwing her leg or whatever yeah. on the floor. And I will tell you that I was at a candy store in New York, um, Economy Candy, which is like amazing. This amazing, amazing candy store in Lower East Side, and I was there, and Aviva was there with her kids. 
and I literally heard somebody, like some woman was like, I loved you on the Housewives, or I love you from TV or something. And Aviva literally was like, they edited me poorly. I, like, uh, like was just like giving uh, her sob story to a woman in a yeah, candy, candy store. store. Oh and I was like, These, but I feel like they're just like all yeah. kind of sucked into this bizarre cottage industry, this bizarre echo chamber mm-hmm. where they can't get out. They can't get out. Mm. It's and and like I'm just like I feel like the the, the thing with New York. Um, maybe I, again, I don't watch the other franchises yeah. really. I've, I watch New Jersey here and there, but the one about New York feels like the editors always have the upper hand, and it always make they always, for better or worse, make someone end up looking sad. Mm. I think the joke is always on the housewife. Yeah, always. Yeah. like with the. Like it's, the joke is always on Ramona the way they shoot things mm-hmm. and edit mm-hmm. things and use music cues and make her look crazy. Yeah. And so my question is: does and they make Ra- Sonia look sad. They make her yeah. look sad. They make like alone. That's when people are like, Andy Cohen hates women. I'm like, I, I, I don't know if, if that's true. I just know that at least with New York, they seem to go out of their way to make these women look crazy and stupid. Yeah. And my question is: so then when they watch. Do they think that? No, because I think that they thrive off of like the fan people tweeting them that night. So it's like even when they look their saddest and you know they're they're on camera crying or doing something like that, most of us would be embarrassed in real life about. They're getting people that are tweeting them or or fans texting them or you know people in their life, you know, calling them up and saying, "Oh my god, it was so funny when you were crying." Like, oh and, my god. and your eyelash was off or something, you know. So there, it's yeah. like then there, it, it turns this really sad and embarrassing moment into so, like a celebration almost. Oh, and it's just, but yeah. to me it's like, it's not because the bottom line is you're on TV, like Ramona, like you're on TV fake crying on a bed, mm-hmm. like fake crying. Oh my like God, that was the best. <laughs> oh, like, that's nuts. And I'm just like, oh my God, like that is the bottom line for you? You're like, like it's not about the, I don't know, $15,000 you're going to make from this next episode. season. Yeah. Like, and, they're and, always worried about the next season. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really competitive and strange and um, weirdly dark. And then Dorinda, now she's doing all these catch. I love Dorinda. I don't want it to sound like I don't like her because I do love Dorinda for the show. But she's doing a lot of catchphrase work now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she gave that rattlesnake monologue. Uh, but that's what bums me out because initially she feel, she felt so refreshing and like, kind of just, you know, real normal. and forward and normal and had this sort of Italian energy to her that mm-hmm. I rem- that I, you know, can identify with from New York, but like then she realized that these phrases become memes and gay guys pillows and women and are sending them to each other and me. making pill- <laughs> right and like making pillows and shit and 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 Instagram stories yeah. and then she's like now I have to feed into this, and that sucks. Yeah. And it weirds me out that like Luann is like branding material. Um I I wanted to talk a little bit more about the episode, but you know what? We kind of went well, deeper last than night. we were going to. Yeah, we went deeper than we were going to. And you know what? I, for one, enjoyed it a little bit more. I, there was a lot of other good stuff. I love Dale. I want to see more of Dale with Tinsley's Dale. mom. Oh, my God, Dale. Dale. <laughs> I love Dale. Um, I wrote in my notes that Carol and Tinsley don't know how old they are. Like, they seem yeah. to be confused, right? Yes. Like, uh, I, I, Car- also, Carol baffles me because she's so literate. Like, literally, I mean, literally, she writes for a living. And so to me, I think she's a strange addition to the show because she's a true socialite by marriage, a actual journalist and writer, and yet she's sort of, like, dumbing herself down for this show, which is not, you know, this is like, it's like candy, this show. Mm-hmm. It's not for intellectual mm-hmm. arguments. 
And it's just so strange to watch this woman sort of swim in the... Sh- devolve. In the, yeah, but, but not even devolve because she manages to still be, you know, very articulate. And, like, when she had that conversation with Luann, like, Luann, like most housewives and most people at the yeah at the tea parlor or whatever is like just saying words to fill the air and carol's like no that's not correct like Mm -hmm. you're just saying words and i feel like people because of these shows or maybe because of people and these are just that's how they are in the show but like people like luann are just saying words and carol's like no we're having a conversation and you're just responding to me with like empty phrases and i love that carol sort of brings that you know, somewhat of a reality check to the show because she's not just saying nonsense. Mm-hmm. And she's smart. She's clearly a smart mm-hmm. woman. So it's a very strange addition to the show from my standpoint because I'm like, you're almost too smart for it, but yeah. you're still engaging in it. I always get confused because when she first started, she kind of presented it as she was doing this as a social experiment, yes, right? right? Like that was an interview she would yes. say. And then now it doesn't feel like that. It's like, it okay, so that was two, That was maybe a two-season job, right? Yeah, right. Like, and now she's on season four or something like that. Yeah, and you're like... What, and so then, what's the deal? Yeah, what's your deal? Yeah. And like, what are you taking away from this? And but you know, like you said, she she's stuck now. It's almost yep. like these women just totally get eaten by this process. And and you, you would think there, but you'd think they. I mean, I would think like that some of them would be ab- above it or able to sort of rise above the get out. Yeah, rise mm-hmm. above it. And um, they used to. Durand I feel like back in the day, there would be more housewives that would seem to leave voluntarily. Yes. And now I don't see any of them leaving voluntarily. No, I don't think so yeah. either. And that's, again, that also makes the show feel like it's, the franchise feel like it's changed. Yeah. That they're like pri- almost prisoners by choice. Totally. Rather than like, like, th- like they don't have the upper hand. The network has mm-hmm. the upper hand. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic shopify s-h-o-p-i-f-y dot com slash everything iconic look the weather's getting warmer you got to ditch the jackets the sweaters and you got to put on some shorts and tees and if you're anything like me you hate getting all the new stuff but luckily i've found quince and quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes i used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season that was until i found out about quince now i've got high quality pieces that never go out of style that i'll be wearing year after year quince has all of the seasonal must-haves like 100% european linen shirts from $30 performance polos those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, 
all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Uh, I want to get to some other women that we love. Sure. I know that you are a View fan. Yes. I watch The View every day. Yes, me too. Okay, tell me what you like about The View. I only watched, I started only watching The View years ago because. You know Michelle Collins, our friend? Yes. Yeah, Michelle Collins. So she was on the show, and I was like, wait a minute. I got to see this, because I love Michelle so much, and she's so funny. She's so funny. Like, truly one of the funniest people Mm -hmm. I've ever experienced, and I loved to watch her on the show, and it was just strange, and I was like, why are people not, like, getting her jokes? And they weren't landing, and the audience seemed perplexed by them, and... She was too quick for that show. Yeah, and it's like, she she was was. too smart Mm -hmm. and too quick, and I think what I watch, what I find so interesting about the show is that... As popular as it is and as relevant as it still remains, it seems like a train wreck every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. I have no interest in watching any other talk shows. I have no interest in Me the too. talk. I have no interest in any other roundtable show. Like, truly no interest whatsoever. But The View feels like a, a wreck every single day filled with dead air sometimes and with Whoopi as the moderator. Yeah, and I always crack up at your Instagram stories because you always <laughs> we always chat about this like yep. Whoopi does not want to moderate she's not good at it she doesn't want to moderate <laughs> she doesn't want to be on the panel she doesn't want to talk about pop culture she doesn't want to talk about romance she doesn't want to talk about marriage dating there's so much and she they doesn't don't want hide to talk any, about they don't hide it at all like it's well, there she, they, the rest of them I think are like going along with it mm-hmm. Whoopi clearly doesn't go to the morning meetings and then is completely flummoxed when something comes on the teleprompter and she's like <laughs> resent, and then she she's full the of resentment yeah she resents the show she resents the the content the producers, uh-huh. sometimes the audience. And then the rare occasion where she does want to say something, like she gets the urge to say something and they have to eventually wrap her, you know, because yes. she can't just talk about, you know, there are rules in TV. So it's like she, 
has to eventually wrap or go to commercial or something. Like you always say and they have to prompt, sell ads. Like, they, well, she always they have to do commercials. It's a live show, and when they're like, "We'll be wrap it up," she goes, "I see you. Yeah, I will wrap it up, or don't play me off with music." And it's like that's what the show is. You haven't you been on the show for over a decade? Like that's how this show works. And she gets a little like kid fit where she's like, "Then I'm just not talking about it." Like she just will it stop is so herself. Bizarre. Then. Like yeah. there's an there was one episode recently where she was like. Like she, she brings everything to a grinding halt on purpose, and oh. and the audience always, no matter what's going on, seems completely perplexed yeah. by everything. <laughs> so they don't funny. know what they're referencing. They don't know what Megan, what Megan, Me, if Megan McCain is talking about, like, you know, like politically wonky stuff, you know, political traditions. They, the audience is completely clueless. Yeah, it's like they, it, it's crazy. It's like the only thing that ever actually really makes it is like when Whoopi does like gets up and does some sort of like physical gesture as a joke or like makes a fart joke or if Joy makes like a real like, you know, <laughs> yeah, Joy zinger. Yeah, some zingers in there. Yeah, Joy's zingers usually work, but like... It's so interesting that you're saying all this because I've never been able to fully explain why I love The View so much because I watch it every day too and yeah. it's like... You, there's so many weird behind the scenes things that if you watch every day, you really get to see the nuances yep. that I feel like the average viewer just kind of goes right over their head. Totally. But, I fast forward right through the like the merchandising, that weird I don't like, like merchandising the stuff. I like I the interviews. Not fast really forward right yeah. through the interviews, all of them. Hot topics though are like the best. That's TV. all I want to watch yeah. because it's a train wreck. Every, they're yelling over each other. So who's I your, just think Whoopi is such a bizarre <laughs> animal to watch on yeah. that show. But when you have the show, when you have a show like that and it's led by Whoopi Goldberg, you're already making the moderator one of the oddest people, you know, like <laughs> she is so amazing in so many ways. Yeah. And is I've also met her a couple of times and she is the nicest and sweetest person yeah. you'll ever meet. But she's, it's weird to make her the moderator of the show because she's kind of a, you know, she's kind of, um, um, unpredictable and has often taken sort of unpopular or strange stances mm-hmm. on certain issues and her agenda is talking about like her vibrator, weed, <laughs> weed that she not listens. getting married, yeah. not dating anybody, doing and, that Valley Girl voice that she. Always and does. that's the thing that gets under my skin is the Valley Girl voice Ugh, because it is so dated. It's, it's too much. So it's irrelevant. Like, and she does it. She shoehorns it in there all the time. She shoehorns it in. It's not funny, and then you can tell the audience doesn't think it's funny either. And the reason that she does it is to subvert the topic, mm-hmm. which is. You can probably imagine the entire crew, the control room, the producers, they're like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> yes, we have, to, we have to talk and about the, the Kardashians. And, but yeah. when, you, when you do a Valley Girl vo- voice make to fun intro the, the material, it immediately makes it, it immediately subverts it and leaves the audience, like, confused. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's also like... And then the panel is sort of forced to laugh. They're at sort it. of forced to laugh, and it's yeah. so awkward. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like you're on a show where yeah, they're going to talk about pop culture. You yeah, can't you shit on it, it every time because it also makes the other co-hosts hesitant when they have exactly. to talk about Kardashians or Real Housewives or something. It's like sometimes I think they want to. But of course, then Whoopi's making fun of it, and it's like you have a egot making fun of the topic. It's so weird. And I also love sometimes Joy will just throw out a whatever, like where she'll just give up completely, like yep. mid-topic or mid-sentence yep. or whatever. It's like she's starting to give her point or she's starting to say something that she really feels yep. and then she's like well, I, I don't care anymore yeah <laughs> just totally gives up what do you think of when joy moderates love it yeah love it it feels the show feels more together and con- concise mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, it just makes more sense. She to does me. it on Fridays, and the only thing I don't like is uh, when they bring Paula on on Fridays because I hate Paula. She's awful. Now I wanted to do some view hot topics with you real quick. We'll just do one real quick. <laughs> sure. We'll do one. So, um, uh, are you are you a fan of Avengers or any superheroes? Do you watch any of that shit? Um, I don't. I mean, I loved Black Panther, but... Oh, so good, right? Yeah. I just wonder if you have any thoughts on a gay superhero, why we haven't gotten any gay people in these movies. Um, like, and in a Marvel yeah. movie, not just as a superhero, but like, why aren't there any gay people populating these films at all? Yeah, it's a strange... I mean, it's just, it's kind of strange, and I feel like there's such a big contingent of like, gay gamers and like, you know, self-ascribed nerds yeah. and comic geeks, so... I don't know. I mean, I feel like there, there's probably been a, a gay superhero in comic books. Yeah, right? there ha- there's been plenty of them. Yeah, plenty in comic books. Like Nightwing, I want, you know, all of these comics, there's different iterations. So, like, you know, somebody will take over the character and right. do their own take on it. And so there's been tons of these that are, you know, at sometimes straight, sometimes gay. And yeah. then there's people like, um, Deadpool, who I believe in the comics, is like explicitly bisexual. Mm. And it's like in the movies, they sort of allude to something a mm-hmm. little. Or Valkyrie, who's in Thor. Uh, it's a woman and she's bi in the comics. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I think, I hope that, that that's changing because yeah. clearly, you know, I, I don't think people are, I think the idea used to be like straight men won't, straight men, the biggest audience, quote unquote, which is not even true anymore, straight men will not want to watch this kind of character, this kind of character. And like when you see something like Black Panther just become one of the biggest grossing movies of all time and it's unapologetically black, mm-hmm. it's not even like coincidentally black. I don't, th- I think that sort of probably knocked down some barriers here and there. And so I would think that it, it wouldn't be a big deal for a, a character to be gay. I guess in some ways it, it still could be, but um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I guess so it's just a, I, I had just seen Avengers and I was watching and I was just, uh, you know, upset that we're sitting here watching a million characters on yeah. screen. I mean, there were so many and there's not even like a gay sidekick or anything. Right. It's like, there's not a single gay person on screen. And some of the argument against that is like, well, uh, you know, this, these movies aren't about the romance, but then you still see men and women flirting or yeah. dating or kissing or whatever. Of course. So it's like, okay, well, I got to look at all these fucking straight people. Like, yeah. Me, they're all gay in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> see why not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd, love, I'd love a lesbian superhero. Yeah. I'd yeah. love that. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll take the right, the correct writer. I mean, I, again, I don't know much about the, this world. Like, I yeah. just see some of the movies here and there, but like, you should, like, there are, there have to be gay producers who could like push this kind of thing a little bit more. Yeah. Especially I, if they exist in the comic books, which I know they do. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, um, uh, uh, somebody was on my. Sh- I don't know if I sh- I'm supposed to say this. Was it? I, it might have been off. But uh, uh, there was supposed to be a DC television show, like mm. DC Comics, a gay superhero show, mm-hmm. and apparently they canceled it right at the last minute or oh stopped production on it because they were. Yeah, they I don't got get nervous. it. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, unless they're showing like graphic butt sex, which might. I'd watch that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd watch it, but like, <laughs> I'd tune in. Does that? Unless that that's happening, like I can't see what the big deal would be. Um, okay, now I gotta wrap this up because we've been talking for so long. But let's do a little pop culture lightning round. So these are gonna be stuff uh, about things that are going on in the news or whatever. You can elaborate if you want, or just go quick. Okay, Rosie or Whoopi? Uh, uh, Rosie. Tommy, can you hear me? What's your all-time favorite view moment? 
Um, split screen with Rosie? <laughs> no. Oh God, that's so a, I think my all-time favorite is, is, there's no one, it's just a compilation of Whoopi yeah. <laughs> stopping to stop, like, mid, stopping mid-sentence because she's pissed that they have to rap. Every, just every yeah, moment of yeah. that. Um, okay, so NSYNC got a star on the Walk of Fame this week, which was talking bizarre. I mean, yeah. It was, like, weird. Do you have a favorite NSYNC song? Um, the one where the the one where they're a crazy where they're like in a in straight jackets. Mm, yeah, yeah. Love make dun, dun, Justin's dun. hair is really upsetting uh, in that uh, too. <laughs> so upsetting. You uh, whatever it's called. You drive me crazy. You drive me cra- no, I'm thinking that's Britney. Uh, uh, drive myself crazy. Drive, drive myself, myself crazy. crazy. Oh, I love that song. Did you hear that? I, I hit that. <laughs> note. I hit that note. Did you hear yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, make sure you got that, Whitney. <laughs> Keep that in. Um, okay, Mary, fuck, kill, or not kill, but like son on vacation or whatever. JC, Justin, or Joey? Uh, Mary, JC. Uh, obviously, fuck Justin, mm-hmm. and then you can send Joey. Although I saw off. them on that Walk of Fame, and Joey looked good, I thought. Yeah. Uh, I think he's aging well. Yeah, he is. Okay, money can't buy you class, or chic, say, la vie? Oh, um... Chic say la vie. Say bon, say bon. Say bon, say bon. <laughs> Favorite Jennifer Love Hewitt movie? Oh, man. Can't hardly wait. Uh, say something nice about Queen Bonnie Hunt. What's your favorite thing about Bonnie Hunt? I, I love, love Bonnie Hunt. Too, I love too. that she's like just elevated. She gets cast as like basic, but then in real in real life, and I think on screen too, she's proven herself to be like a real, honestly, like a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. You know, I always say that. My favorite line in Jerry Maguire is when Renee Zellweger is going on a date. And she's crying, and uh, Bonnie Hunt's playing her sister, and she says, don't cry at the beginning of the date, cry at the end of the date like I do. And oh that line God. was improvised. Really? Yeah, it wasn't written. Love Queen Bonnie so, Hunt. I mean, yeah. <laughs> her, she's responsible for the success of that movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, Andy Cohen or Anderson Cooper? Oh, no question, Anderson Cooper. Me too. Me too. People ask me that Read all the time because I do all this uh, housewife stuff, and I'm like, I'd much Ugh, prefer no, Anderson, Anderson Cooper. Cooper. But I still don't understand their friendship in a lot of ways. Me either. Uh, sexiest man alive. Okay, it's so bizarre to, for me to say this, but like, I just, my mind always goes to Reggie Bush. Really? Yeah, I think he's really? just perfect. <laughs> I love that answer, Elliot. Oh my gosh, I love that. He's just like his teeth. I love his teeth. Yeah. He's just perfect looking. Uh, what's your favorite uh, Michelle Pfeiffer performance? Well, Dangerous Minds. Favorite Mariah Carey song? Um, I, honestly, I'd have to go back to Vision of Love. Oh, it's a, I mean, it just started it all. Just, I mean, as a singer, like as a musician, I just watch like old videos of her singing and can't, still cannot fathom how she yeah. has that capacity to do anything with that like it's crazy what's iconic to you like what tv shows movies podcasts what are you watching that you love besides Um, the view the golden girls is always iconic to me um there was a show that i feel like it was underwatched happy endings oh i loved it yeah yeah yeah. that i feel was is iconic and was so good so good and so sort of underappreciated and didn't get as long a life as it deserved and very rewatchable too i've I've rewatched it a couple times on hulu i think since it came it's out, incredible. Movie, but it's incredible. So so good. Um, it's it better each time. And also, honestly, like I I love hate it, but Cats the musical is iconic. Really? What? It's just so dumb. Yeah. It's like literally the show is a list of cats, and they're all like <laughs> hypersexual, and you can see all of their genitals, and it's so weird. Yeah. And yet that's like, and also like the last time we I went with my friend, we were like, <laughs> should we smoke beforehand? And then we got there, we're like, no, we don't need drugs for this. It's already like a drug trip. Because of your Broad City connection, do people always offer you drugs? 
not so much me, but they always offer my sister yeah. and Abby drugs all the time, yeah. wherever they go. And sometimes they smoke it, and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? <gasps> Um, my favorite episode uh, you were in with uh, Fran Drescher. What was Fran Drescher? Oh my like? God, Fran! I'm keeping you here forever. I'm no, sorry. I don't know. Okay, please. Okay. Um, I just she's love like Fran one of Drescher. the. I need to talk about her. I just didn't expect her to be like. I know she's just one truly so intelligent, so truly and genuinely intelligent and thoughtful and charitable and kind in a way that just I think blew blew us away. N- not she played your aunt or something. Yeah, she played right? our aunt. Yeah, okay. yeah, and she's stunning but just really like just in talking to her person to person she's so smart and so just intelligent and well read and mm-hmm. like intellectual she yeah. she she's just very smart and has a lot of ideas to offer i always felt like she should have been a movie star in that movie she did beautician and the beast is yeah. one of my all-time favorites it's a bummer that she didn't yeah. get i mean it's not a bummer she's done really well and and like is also very business savvy, yeah, and has really and really gets like has figured life out in a way that I find very impressive. Yeah, life and money and work and stuff. Yeah. Okay, now is there anything you need to plug? Anything that you have coming up that you? Uh, I mean, I always have shows coming up. I'm doing the, my show Haunting Renditions. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. So that you? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I went to school initially to do opera, mm-hmm. <laughs> and very quickly decided I did not want to do that. But basically, years later, I took my musical capacities, and with a couple of friends, created a live concert that's a mix of like stand up and music. But it's really me singing beautiful orchestral lush arrangements of really dumb iconic songs like Katy Perry songs. Ashley Simpson, right? I talk a lot about Ashley Simpson, Smash Mouth, um, like bad Beach Boys songs, Millie Vanilli we're doing soon, like just really iconic stuff and breaking it down in terms of like cultural theory and then performing it newly arranged. Like we just premiered at the last show in LA, Bawa Taba by Kid Rock, but as a sort of, Ugh. as a, like a Lumineers kind of song. And my friend Mike, who, who was the director of our acapella group in college, and now he's a high school principal after doing being a music teacher, is like a genius and arranges these songs in ways that just blow your mind. And um, yeah, so that it's a live show that I do in LA. I do it in New York at the Bell House, and it's going to be at the, it's going to be at Bumbershoot in Seattle. And I think, June or, or Labor Day. It's going to be at the New York Comedy Festival in July. So it's just all over the all place. Over the and place. where can people find it, uh, tickets? Yeah, that's hauntingreditions.com okay. or they can just follow me on social media at Elliot Glazer. Okay, cool. Yeah. Elliot, I could talk to you forever and that's why I've well, kept you here forever. As Whoopi so says so to every single guest on the show, come back. <laughs> come back anytime. <laughs> come, you're welcome anytime. And, yeah, yeah. Like Comey is like, okay. <laughs> Storm, Stormy Daniels is like, okay, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back, but okay, thank you. This come is back my, anytime you want. My one media appearance. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much and take a little time to enjoy the view. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys, wasn't Elliot great? I love him so much. And, uh, you know, he's not the only one we have. We also have Blair St. Clair on the show, who's, of course, from RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, I just want to mention, before you listen to this interview, that we do talk a bit about rape and sexual assault. So I just want to offer that little warning. If it's uh, triggering for some people, I just want to let you know before you go ahead and listen. Uh, You know, I love Blair. And we also get into some fun little pop culture stuff. But I just wanted to mention that. And without further ado, Whitney, there's my accent again. Without further ado, here's my interview with Blair St. Clair. Thank you, guys. Love you. Hi, Blair. This is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, the podcast. How are you doing? 
Hey, how are you doing today, Danny? I'm doing wonderful. Oh, I'm doing so good. Now, you were my favorite on Drag Race. I'm not just saying that because I have you on the show. I, I loved you. I thought you brought such a nice, <laughs> different flavor to the show. You were... A very, you seemed very kind, and it was unique, and you're you're stunningly beautiful. Um, so I just want to say, uh, you know, I loved you on the show. Well, thank you so much for that. I really, really do appreciate that. I mean, a lot. Yeah. Of now I want to know what inspires your drag because you kind of do like a little bit of an old Hollywood glamour. Uh, is that what inspires you, or what inspires your your look? You know, it's, it's an interesting question you ask because I am so inspired by old Hollywood glam, like you asked. But it's an interesting reason why, and the reason is because old Hollywood glam is really filmed in the epitome of what I see as like a contrast of like beauty versus like what the outside world sees as beautiful. Because old Hollywood glam came from a time period of where female actresses were not treated very glamorous, and there were a lot of very negative situations surrounding that glamorous lifestyle. And what we see on the outside is this beautiful, gorgeous facade of what these actresses and these vocalists uh, have created. And we go back and we look at into Marilyn Monroe and we look at um, Judy Garland and so many people and how glamorous they have looked to in our lives, but truthfully weren't just treated as such. And so it's great juxtaposition of kind of like what the, the world is and what personal growth is as well. Like the difference, um, mm-hmm contrast of that. And your arc on the show sort of mirrored that a little bit. I mean, it, from just a viewer standpoint, it seemed like you had everything together and you were just nice, you know, uh, nothing, I don't know, uh, my phrasing's a little off, but um, then at the end, the last episode, we saw you uh, reveal this very heartbreaking story about um, you being raped in college. And and I, for one, thought it was just so important. Anytime you talk about your own struggle, I think it helps other people. But what made you want to talk about that on the show? You know, I think there comes a time where something like that you don't plan ever on talking about. And before that moment, I hadn't really opened up and talked to almost anyone about that actually ever. And I really think that there's a time in your life where if something so heavy is something you want to talk about, your heart really has to start talking before your mind knows that it's ready. And I feel like in that moment, my heart really just began to open up and to talk and to share under the circumstance, the pressure, everything that was going on around me before my mind even knew that it was something I physically wanted to speak about. And I think it just kind of like spilled out of my mouth. And it was honestly a big relief just to kind of admit it to myself. They say the first step is always admitting to yourself. And I hadn't really said those words aloud yet. And I had no plan or intention of ever coming out and talking about that. But it was just something like a very vulnerable and emotional moment that just, I just started speaking. Yeah. Yeah. It was very powerful. And, and what advice do you have for young uh, boys or, or young women too, who, who are going through something like that or have been through something like that? Do you have any uh, words of encouragement for them? Today I have so much more encouragement than I think when we filmed Drag Race, because I've had such an amazing six months to really process, develop and start feeling emotions versus having emotions that I haven't been able to process yet. So today I think I would be the best thing I could possibly tell someone is that you can't necessarily feel guilty for things that happen to you in your life that are out of your control. And even if they are within your control, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's your fault or you should go and try to fix those problems. And I think that the best thing you can do for today is that no matter what experience you've gone through in your life or what 
things you've encountered, the best thing you can possibly do is to accept the things that have been and to focus on the present and really just focus on loving yourself and putting out more love and positivity into the world. Because when we start dwelling on the past so much, as I have done the mass majority of my life, I find that I'm not happy doing mm-hmm. such. And the day I finally started to begin to love myself just for the fact and sake of being alive today and just because I am who I am and that's the bottom line of it, I started progressing and being a little bit more happy each and every day. Well, I just want to thank you for sharing that story on the show. It's, it's, uh, you know, really powerful and I think it's really touched a lot of people and will continue to touch a lot of people. Well, thank you very much. I, it wasn't something, um, that I was necessarily planning to do and producers have asked me, you know, um, it's kept me in the loop with, Mm -hmm really, really being kind to my emotion and to me sharing the story. And I think that they shared it very beautifully on TV. Okay, now let's get to some fluffier stuff. Who do you want to win sure. Drag Race? Do you have a favorite? I do. So now that there are eight girls left, my money is on Miss Cracker. She is my best friend from the competition, mm-hmm. but I also just adore her aesthetic. I think she completely has the everything that you need, the charisma, uniqueness, the nerve, and the talent to be America's Next Track Superstar. In my mind, I always knew that if it wasn't me, it had to be her. So I'm really, really keeping everything full force, hoping that she she attains that. Now, would you do an all-star season? Oh, I most definitely would. I think it would be silly if someone were to ask you and you were to turn that opportunity down. Every Everything in life is an yeah. opportunity. Now, I have to talk about something that I was devastated to read. I mean, this shook me to my core. I I cried in the shower for a mm-hmm. couple hours. I read that you were going <laughs> to do Rachel Berry, Leah, Rachel Berry from Glee at, on Snatch Game. Is that true? I most definitely 100% was going to. Oh my God. You cannot, just for copyright reasons, you, you have to do the celebrity yeah. because it is Celebrity Snatch Game. So I was planning to do Leah Michelle in Rachel Berry head to toe appearance. And I, I like, I have so many beyond, like I've been impersonating her for years. So I have the quotes down. I have any, the, the mannerisms, the gestures, because she kind of is a little bit of me. Rachel Berry is not. And so it was going to be fantastic. Do you have a favorite quote? Yes. Um, let me think of my absolute favorite one. It would probably be some dream. Some dreams are bigger than others. Me being on Broadway, that's a big dream. Yeah, and then she just like keeps going on and on and on and on and on about like more and more and more. Like I, I can, uh, yeah, it completely. Just oh love my her. God, Blair! I'm so sad we didn't get to see all of that. I love Rachel Berry. I love Glee. You know what? All we can hope now. All we can do today is hope for that. Maybe one day it'll come yes, back out. Hopefully, that's what we need you on All Stars for, or at least you know performing that somewhere. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so so what, you, what advice do you have for people who are starting drag or who want to start drag? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I'm very saddened when people say that. Like, as a joke, a lot of people with drag queens will say, stop drag today. And I really, really, really don't like that because my biggest advice for people that want to start drag today is keep going, like, keep pushing mm-hmm. and keep reaching out for more help because I just want to be as relatable as possible. If someone were to ask me, what got you started? What, what pushed you on? And honestly, what pushed me forward was me asking myself, where do I want to be in 10 years? It's not that I wanted to be famous or not that I wanted to be, you know, a household gay name. It's just that I wanted to truthfully find the best venue to express my creativity and my art and my passion. And I am so passionate about that. So I would tell somebody, you know, if you have a dream, if you have a goal, the best way to keep is to 
gain more knowledge and ask drag queens what has worked for them and just stay connected and keep working very, very hard. And uh, you also have a new song out. The video came out the other day and it's stunningly beautiful. It's also a bop. Like it is a good song. Will there be more music? Thank you. Thank you. Is there going to be more music in your future? There is. We're actually talking about um, writing a full album now to hopefully drop as soon as possible because people have just been reaching out with so much, like a huge outpouring of love of, you know, wanting more and more and more. And I think that's just what we have to give them. It's legit good, I promise. I'm not not just saying that again. I feel like I'm (laughs) kissing your ass, but I do like it. Um, Okay, now a couple quick pop culture questions. Um, Do you, uh, who's your favorite diva? Like, who's your favorite musical diva? Do you have one? Who do you like? Barbara Streisand, hands down. Oh my God, yes. Um, And what TV movies do you like? Like, do you, is there a TV show you're watching? So my mirror message was actually stemmed from Smash, oh, the TV show. Classic. If you're familiar with um, Megan Hilty and Catherine McPhee. And, <laughs> and it's, yeah, and it's about a couple of raw things about, you know, Marilyn Monroe and her story from that, you know, Hollywood glam period of time and the backstage of, of what Broadway's like and very speaks And to me. finally, what's your favorite Mariah Carey song? I ask everyone this. Oh my gosh. Well, this is, I'm sure everyone's favorite of Mariah Carey song is, um, from her Christmas uh-huh. album, and <laughs> all I want know, for Christmas. I think everyone, everyone's favorite, their favorite is always um, that. But that's complete. That's definitely mine. It's always my ringtone around the time yeah. of the year, and always gets me into the hol- holiday feel. And if it could be the holidays year round, I would be very oh, me happy. Me too, me too. And Blair, this was so fun. Where can people find you on social media? You can find me on social media at Twitter at Blair St. Clair. You can find me on Instagram at Blair St. Period Clair, and on Facebook at Blair St. Clair, and I'm ho- and on YouTube at Blair St. Clair Vivo. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Blair. This was a Thank delight. Thank you so much. It was just a pleasure. Yes, have a good one. Rotten hell, Jax. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com.